Hey guys, this is Jeremy from Five Star Guitars and from the Guitar Shop's Guide to podcast. And I just wanted to give a bit of a disclaimer to the following conversation. Uh, it's something that is intensely personal to me, and so my sensitivity level is a little higher on this one. Um, Nate has identified that a lot of customers that come come into the shop say, you know, the style of music that I play or where I perform or where I where I play most frequently is in church, in the worship band, or um, as sort of more largely identified CCM, contemporary Christian music. So in in hearing that that's where a lot of our customers are are headed off to once they've made their purchase or, or asked their questions, uh, it's a genre of music that he had very little experience in, something that I have had a ton of experience in uh, going, going on decades now. So he just said, you know, hey, I've got a list of questions for you, some stuff I'd like to ask about the sort of the industry overall. Uh, it'd be kind of cool to do that in the podcast format. So we just sort of hit record on the microphones and he asked me some questions. There wasn't really any, I didn't know what he was going to ask ahead of time. So a lot of this is just kind of off the cuff, me trying to answer what I think he's asking um, kind of in real time without any prep. It's just sort of the thought off the top of my head. That being said, um, you know, I have always been one to kind of pick apart anything that I've been involved with, and especially if it's something that is important to me. I've always looked for, you know, where could this be better? How could this be more efficient or whatever that we're participating in? How could we include more people in the participation of it, make the message clear, make just whatever it is, um, which comes across as hopefully constructive, but criticism. And I also know from past experience that people. Uh, that I've worked with or been involved in that industry, in that that segment, that genre, uh, it's intensely personal to them too. And so offering any bit of criticism to something that is personal to other people involved can offend, whether it is intentional or not, it sounds like an attack. And nothing that in, in the podcast segment that you're about to hear, nothing is intended to offend quite the opposite. It is intended to say, hey, this is something that I love and here's where I would like to see us, capital U, us, do better. And so any criticism or critique that you hear or assessment that you disagree with, just understand it's completely my observation from my point of view and my past experience into what has happened and where I see it could be better or where I'd like to see it go. That's it. It's entirely intended to be constructive, not destructive in any way. I think that's 100% counterproductive and counterintuitive to the whole message. So I hope that you hear it that way. And maybe my sensitivity to it is represented in my sort of apprehension and just releasing the thing without this disclaimer. But I just wanted to sort of clear that up in case what you, you know, you're actively involved in CCM and you hear me say, you know, well, that sounds like this to me and it acts like this and I could see it improve in this ways. And you 100% feel like that is, that's a negative message. I'm, I'm just telling you now, I hope you don't hear it that way because none of it is intended that way. So that being said, that off my chest, uh, this is our conversation, Nate and my conversation about CCM, contemporary Christian music. And this is a guitar shop's guide to or conversation about CCM. My dad's a really big Sugar Ray fan, so I took him to the show. That does sound very 90s. Yeah. Um, a really big Sugar Ray fan? He's a huge Sugar Ray fan. Really? He, he owns, I want to say, three Sugar Ray records. All three? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he celebrates the entire time. He really does. 1459 is the best. Or does he just opinion. own the same, the same record in three formats? <laughs> <laughs> Two plus two is four, minus one, that's three. Quick maths. So today I wanted to chat a little bit about um, the genre of Christian contemporary music, or CCM as it's called. Oftentimes, uh, a customer will come in and they'll we'll chat about you know kind of what they're looking for, or, you know what it is they're wanting to get out of their visit to the guitar shop. And I, one of the qualifying questions I'll ask just about every customer is, "What kind of music do you play, or what kind of music are you into?" Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and a surprising amount of times I've gotten, oh, I play in church or I play worship music or I play Christian music. <laughs> Does anybody ever actually say CCM to you or do they actually just say I play in church? They, they'll say, I'm curious. Uh, they'll say Christian music yeah. okay. mostly. Uh, but the, uh, the larger genre of Christian contempor- contemporary mm-hmm. music is, uh, is kind of what they, what they do. And it's a huge industry. Um, so I was wondering if, if I kind of pick your brain about it a little bit, cause I don't, I don't know a whole lot. Uh, I like that you're assuming that I do. It, it makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and I've had some, some experience with like non-secular music, you know, the, the, the Jews have their, have their own kind of people that do it. Like, uh, <laughs> there's a guy, Doug Kotler out mm-hmm. there. He actually wrote Flashdance. Really? He wrote the song Flashdance. Now he's playing Jewish admit, music. So I don't, I don't remember when that movie came out, but I remember in elementary school, I had the tape for the soundtrack. So yeah. I'm, I'm apparently a fan. <laughs> and, yeah. So there's that. There's a guy called uh, Rick Recht who... That's an awesome name. Yeah. Or there's, uh, there's Laser Lloyd. Who, um, Lloyd. He is a he's an American. He made Aliyah to Israel and is now an Orthodox Jew, but he plays like Stevie Ray Vaughan style blues guitar. Really? On the weekends. That's awesome. They're, he's tremendously talented, but uh-huh. he's uh And still going or is this Oh no 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 like he's He's still doing, doing it. it. Like I think yeah. he put out an album last year or something. Uh, but so I've had I've had some experience with with non secular music, uh, just kind of being around it. But I don't. I didn't know how big of an industry Christian contemporary was. So I guess my first question to you is like how. How have you noticed that the industry's changed over the over the years? Because has it always been this way, or CCM specifically? Yeah. Or just, um, and well, its interaction with guitar culture. Sure. Well, so let me qualify a little bit by just saying um, I think the the my involvement in it has been I I have been involved in playing it. Like I played in church as long as I played guitar, I played in church, which now is decades. Um, but. Uh, but my involvement in it um, has probably mirrored most of our customers, where they just, you know, they they're interested in or play a wide variety of genres and styles, and they also go to church. And so churches, you know, anybody that that attends a church and plays an instrument inevitably gets recruited to play that instrument um, on some sort of worship team or praise band or whatever you would call it. As far as the industry goes, though, I. I mean, outside of participating in church, I wasn't really that interested in it for the most part outside of, I kind of cherry picked my artists. Um, I wasn't really ever just the only thing I listened to was CCM stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that my experience and my knowledge about CCM is fairly cherry picked as well. But my... First introduction to it would have been via my parents, probably the same way that anybody else that I get interested in as a guitar player. I heard my dad's album that he had of this guy, Phil Keggy, and I had no idea he was a Christian artist. This was the the album that he first gave me was Acoustic Sketches, so there's no lyrics to it. If you hear anything Phil Keggy writes with lyrics, it's fairly obvious. Most of it's fairly obvious, especially the early stuff. It's mm-hmm. CCM, you know, lyrically. But this was an entirely acoustic guitar album. No words anywhere to be found on this thing. Had no idea that he was a CCM artist. I just this guy could play, and blew me away with what he could do on an acoustic. And so I was just hooked on the guy, went and got, you know, all the Phil Kagi albums I could find and then discovered, which is funny with my dad being a pastor, handing Mm -hmm. me a CD and not telling me what it is. He, my dad would listen to Dolly Parton and John Denver and all sorts of, you know, bands and artists that 
weren't CCM. So it didn't occur to me just, it wasn't the default that my dad would hand me an album, but he knew I was into guitar and here's a good guitar player. So I think you'll like this. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it, I don't think there was anything subversive or anything in there at all. It was just, you like guitar, here's a good guitar player. And I was hooked on Phil Keggy. Um, and then go to find an album like Crimson and Blue or Master Musician or something like that. And there's... And it was never a thing in your house, like you can only listen to the fish or... No. And for sure, I mean, I grew up in a small enough town that there was there was one uh, radio station that came in clearly enough to listen to and mm -hmm. it played like the oldies. Quote yeah. Unquote. And so... Uh, so non, nobody listened to radio growing mm -hmm. up. Didn't start playing guitar till high school. And I really started seeking out guitar music. Um, that's where, you know, Phil Kagi was one of the guys that I got into. But almost all of the rest of them were, you know, secular in that sense. It was Van Halen and Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and Eric Johnson and Steve Ravon. And uh, mm -hmm. it was just guitar guys. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't CCM specific. Uh, and moved on to college. And that's when I sort of on my own, whatever church I was going to, in this case, locally here, it was Village Baptist um, over there on Murray. And so while I was in college, I started playing um, on the weekends there, I don't know, once a month or every other month. And honestly, college for me was about the time I even really discovered that CCM was a genre. Mm -hmm. um, so this would have been, for me, this is early 2000s when I'm finally realizing that there's a separate genre, you know, there's country, there's jazz, there's rock, and there's CCM. And so my experiential history only goes back that far to Chris Tomlin is the, I mean, he's still a huge name, but he's, was, he and Matt Redman were the guys for, for worship music and bands like Third Day and, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's that's who everybody at the time was that was into CCM. That's what was popular. Um, DC Talk. Now Toby Mac is still around, but DC Talk was <laughs> was a group. So what was popular in the very early two thousands is what I re when I really got into um, CCM stuff and started finding artists on my own that were CCM artists, and ever since then it's been a part of something that I have listened to or um, you know, spent time learning for whatever church I'm going to play in. Hillsong now is big and Bethel and there's mm -hmm. lots of the, the worship groups. Um, whatever song we're going to play this weekend is written by the Terwaltz and so I'll go listen to that and that'll maybe get me into the rest of the album for a bit. But uh, as far as an overall industry it's always been just one of many, mm -hmm. you know, genres that I've listened to, but that has given it a pretty broad context or frame of reference for me to compare it to other things, but, you know, which I think is maybe where you were going. That was kind of a yeah. long way to get it's, to the It's end. different though than other, you know, genres of music because like we can talk about a blues artist, a jazz artist, a country artist, but if you talk about a Christian contemporary artist, they could yeah. be any of those things, Christian rap, Christian jazz, Christian blues, Christian mm -hmm. rock, it's all under the umbrella of, of Christian music. It's not. Yeah, there's an interesting thing that I'm finding. So listening to something like The Fish, mm -hmm. um, I can scan through radio stations and know I'm listening to a Christian radio station. And I think what I'm hearing on there, because like you're saying, stylistically, it's, it's the one genre of music that has the strongest lack mm -hmm. of stylistic indicators for at least with what's played on the idioms, radio. At least for what's played on the radio, the um, because you can have Christian rap, Christian jazz, Christian rock, Christian you know you can have Christian metal, Christian pop, Christian whatever. Right. Um, so it because for the most part, what defines CCM is the lyrical message, not the not the musical content, mm -hmm. but because most of these albums are recorded in Nashville, you know, in the same town by the same producers, same engineers, a lot of times your songwriter goes into the studio with a producer and that producer hires a band mm -hmm. that they will also hire for the next artist that comes through and the next artist that comes through. So the studio musicians a lot of times are the same group of guys cycling through. So, so you have the same wrecking production. crew of... Right. 
Yeah, I mean, Motown did the same thing. Like, this, it's not... Well, so many, it's it's a tried and true thing. Con- you know, you cl- get- oh, your country guys were, mm-hmm. you know, the the background vocalists on all sorts of different artists' albums. It was the same group of, you know, the same... Well, it's the same thing. You know, if you think about Nashville in the 90s, I don't think there, there were quite a few artists that had a Brent Mason guitar solo mm-hmm. on their record and... Like, that's just who you had. <laughs> yeah. And or, so I think when you have, you know, you, you turn the radio on and you feel like you're listening to, you know, 10 songs in a row, 10 different vocalists, 10 different artists, 10 di- but, but there's this continuity in there because between those 10 different artists, there's probably only five different producers mm-hmm. and six different guitar players. And, you know, so you, you hear the same guitar player for three songs in a row and not realize it because this vocalist was male, that one was female, this one's a baritone, that one's a ten- So Well, and also in the sense that, like, some of these musicians are just that good. Yeah. You can, they can do anything convincingly. Yeah, the the talent level in Nashville is off the charts. And mm-hmm. so I think they can mask it a little bit, but I think there's just enough continuity. I can definitely, if I've never heard a song, I can still cycle through and like, up. Oh, this is the Christian radio station. I surmise that's because I my ears identifying a certain style of production, mm-hmm. not necessarily musical genre style. Yeah. And then the vocals come in and, you know, praise Jesus and... Now I know for sure <laughs> that that's what we're listening to. But there is a certain level of um, consistency in production. I do feel like as an industry, so to actually answer that first question, um, I think there there was a time for quite a while, and I would think most of my life, that this is my observation and experience, and I feel like it's starting to change. And I don't know if it's just me getting old or if it's uh, um, if it actually is happening this way, but it really felt to me tracing CCM backwards through time kind of starts in the 70s. So it probably goes back farther than that if you want to trace gospel music and and spirituals and stuff further. If you're talking about that, yeah, Thera, if you go way, way back, Christian music starts with Gregorian chants. Sure. Uh, But I'm thinking like the Nashville CCM that evolves into the current You can trace it back to a band called Mind Garage. In the '60s, at least, yeah. that's the first band I can I can find mm-hmm. that was playing uh, sort of a a combination of Christian music and rock music. Okay. So in the set in the late '60s and early '70s, you have bands like uh, some of the later glass harp stuff, mm-hmm. which was Phil uh, Kagi, which is Phil Kagi, Mind Garage. You have real pioneers like Larry Norman, mm-hmm. who are doing stuff. And Keith Green. Keith Green. Yeah, and a lot of this comes out of Los Angeles. Uh, a lot of hippies become quote disillusioned with the with the lifestyle and sort of start to turn to come to Jesus, for lack of a better term. Sure. And then you have uh, people like Dwayne Peterson, who founded the Hollywood Free Paper and the Jesus Movement. Um, which can be traced back to earlier evangelical movements, but the Jesus movement is really where you start to reach the summer of love people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvary Chapels founded by Chuck Smith in Costa Mesa. Uh, he starts featuring people like Pastor Larry Frisbee, who who preach. And That's another people. awesome last name. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, his story is pretty crazy if you... Total tangent. Oh, I won't go. I won't go down the rabbit hole. But you should mm-hmm. look them up. Sure. Uh, and so, Calvary Chapel is. I, I'm not. I'm certain they didn't do it originally, mm-hmm. but they start bringing contemporary sounds into the worship music. They start doing things like you're getting baptized in the Pacific Ocean, thing, things like that. Yeah. Chuck Smith, who founded Calvary Chapel, also founded uh, Marantha Music. And launched, bro- which had you know subsidiary labels like Broken Records. The seventy sevens mm-hmm. were on Broken Records. Uh, a few other bands that are I can't remember now, but you can you can, basically you can kind of trace it back to the the sixties sure. and seventies. So, uh, I feel like a lot of that stuff. I mean, Glass Harp to me sort of sounded like the era mm-hmm. that it was in, but. A lot of my observations stylistically when I'm looking at how does the music sound 
in CCM in the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, uh, and this, this, <laughs> this is harsher than it, it really is, but, mm. but my observation a lot of times on the style and, and maybe production level as well is that if you take whatever's happening in pop music 10 years before CCM releases something, mm-hmm. that's about the sound you're getting is secular music 10 years later. And a lot of that is because it's a lot of that is intentional, not not to be 10 years late to the game, but to whatever is happening that is popular in secular music. A large part of the draw for CCM as a business model is to give people a, quote, safe alternative mm-hmm. to something that they're listening to. So if somebody is listening to Nirvana, we need to cultivate Nirvana, but with safe lyrics if what's popular is hip hop mm-hmm. and you know ice tea and snoop dog we need to give somebody that style of music but with lyrics that aren't about chronic <laughs> and so in order to to identify that this is a legitimate trend and not a flash in the pan style of music secularly mm-hmm. then go i find the Christian alternative to that and develop them into a leading group in CCM mm-hmm. takes about five years. So at best, when it's reactionary like that, at best you're ever going to be about five years behind the trend. Mm-hmm. And I think part of what I noticed a lot of when I was really into it is that if I took what was happening in secular music five years earlier and then took all the edge off the production mm-hmm. and changed the lyrics, I hit a pretty rough a- approximation of what was popular in CCM. Mm-hmm. I feel like that gap is shortened. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in trying to do that for so long and seeing that because it's reactionary, it's less authentic Mm-hmm. In some cases, or you take an artist who wants to be authentic, but then don't give them the opportunity to do so because you've got a business model you're trying to develop. Well, and that's something I actually want to delve into a little bit more. You know, you can take take an artist like like the secular music industry. It's it can be about image in mm-hmm. in some cases, and so you're. Do you know artists or? Have you an experience with like this is the box you kind of have to fit into in order to? It very much depends on what the artist's uh, goals are. So a lot of artists that are so say, that really want to be CCM is to win a bunch of Dove awards. And if that's your stated goal, you'll be out in two seconds because your stated goal has to be a ministry, okay, of sorts. So it has to be, um, it has to be reaching you know, underprivileged minorities or a purity mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of the, the female artists are about a purity image. So that would be their, their music may or may not lyrically every song be about that. But in terms of tried and true CCM artists would have like an altar call in the middle of a concert, right? Um, or Give, give a bit of a speech message, not a not just get up and sing ten songs and off the stage, but there's a bit of a, a conversation you have with your audience, and that conversation is very intentional about a specific topic that is usually what you feel is your ministry you're called to. Mm-hmm. So it might be, um, it might be a demographic of people. It might be uh, you experienced abuse as a child, and so now you're out there preaching the gospel to on a platform of recovering from abuse. And so that's Mm -hmm. your message every night is, is kind of telling your story and and drawing people in that way. But usually the idea of um, that's acceptable in secular music, if we want to be the biggest band in the world, doesn't fly as a message in CCM Mm -hmm. um, because your, your stated message shouldn't be so self-centered. So um, not that people like that, didn't sneak in. That's why I'm kind of dancing around the right. the semantics of it a little bit because there, you know, there are people that get get outed later as like, oh, you were you're in it for the money, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, 
and it's it's a hard thing to really point the figure at somebody for that because having been you know I did spend a couple of years what I felt like was on the inside mm-hmm. as much as I could have been on the inside of CCM um, you know playing with and for and sharing stages with current CCM artists it was probably one of the biggest shocks in my my musical career is I, realizing how much of a just straight up industry and mirror image of the secular industry that the CCM music industry is. Um, it's a business. Yeah. And I think I kind of had a romanticized thought that I was going to go into it as a, as a mission, you know, like we're all in this for the intrinsic money or not career or not, whatever we're doing this to help people. That's the goal. And then you get into the thing, talking to a record label or artist management and realize it's a job. And so my sort of romantic idea of what it was going to be didn't really pan out. And then the machine of the, of the industry side of it kind of chewed me up and spit me out. And that was, that was it. But I have always sort of remained, um, at least via my local church, I've never, never completely left the whole thing. But uh, but I have a much more sort of realistic perception of of what it is that it's it's an industry that has a product to sell, and the artists are part of the platform and the product. And you know, it's a small number of people control that message. Most of them live in Nashville. So there you go. You know, it's it, 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 there's a pretty strong filter that most of it goes through before it hits the fish mm-hmm. <laughs> and gets out there, and that's why there's a lot of uh, and may, maybe what my you know experience in the last couple of years has been listening to artists that sound a lot more modern to me than when I was you know 15 years ago, 20 years ago when I was in college listening to music. Then feeling like what I was listening to was dated already mm-hmm. even though sonically dated not necessarily but like sonically this sounds like music that would have come out secular five years ago yeah. now I'm finding artists they're not the ones getting played on the fish though so that's the thing is that they're they're the artists that are out there maybe lyrically taking a few more risks or mm-hmm. saying things that wouldn't be safe to say in every like what, what would those things be so um a, a band like Jars of Clay is about the only one that I ever felt got away with this. It seemed like Jars of Clay was the only group that ever got away with verbalizing their self-doubt. Or like they maybe they were just poetically strong enough to express the self-doubt in a way that wasn't saying, I'm not believing in you anymore, but more just like, for the most part, most most of the time, if an artist expressed any sort of, anything other than, Life is good. Life is great. The world might throw its curveballs at me, but I've never fallen off the the track of believing in you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you're you're the one constant, and my faith in you is always the one constant. And the, the projection is always that um, the the artist and that artist relationship to God has never wavered. Mm-hmm. And very few artists seem to get away with saying, "Actually, I still have questions." So it doesn't seem okay for very many artists to say, I still have questions. So is it wrong to assume uh, that over the years, I mean, even since I've been alive, that the church's overall message has sort of, has evolved and changed to fit mo- modern times. You know, people are, you, you talk about your, your pastor saying to go out and, and, you know, I saying, I, I want you to disagree with me. I want you to, to make form your own opinions is that something yeah. that's that's kind of come over into kind of seeped out into the larger culture I think that so was a re- I, I really weirdly worded question because I'm sorry. It, well I, I'm gonna yeah I'll guess at what you mean um, <laughs> I think because it's happening now and, and sort of I'm sort of observing it and experiencing it real time. I sort of deliberately, so my, my experience is very consistently, I feel like I am constantly attending a church where the pastor's up there saying, um, don't just take my word for it. I'm human too. My understanding of that is that on the larger scope of things, that's still fairly rare, even though that's been pretty consistently 
common in my experience going to a church um, that they're not up there saying, you know, let's all turn our Bibles to this verse. We're going to read it. I'm going to tell you what it means. Go your way and do what I do. What I tell you. M- most of the churches I've attended, um, and and my current one specifically, um, I'm over now at Beaverton Foursquare, and there's Sunday mornings get shared now by two guys, um, both very different actually, but both of those guys completely different life experiences coming in, and then they share this common message of, look, I, you know, here's, here's what I've been getting out. I, here, I've been reading this in, in the, lately in the Bible. Here's what I've gotten out of it. Here's how it's applied to my life. And here's all the things I've been struggling with on it. And I think to present themselves as vulnerable human beings is new to pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it has opened the door. I don't think that exists in a vacuum. So I think there's enough of those types of church experiences and sermons going out now where the pastor isn't just getting up there, giving you three bullet points from the scripture and not adding anything personal in there. I think that's happening in the music too. So um, just recently I, you know, discovered a, a rapper named Propaganda. He's been around for quite a while, but you listen to some of the rap songs on there and it's overtly like, yep, dude's a Christian talking mm-hmm. about God, talking about Jesus. There's kind of no other way to cut this yeah. verse out. Most of his stuff is talking about uh, racial inequality. Mm-hmm. Really not a safe thing to talk about within the realm of CCM. So that is actually something that I, that I did want to touch on in doing some research for this, uh, for this podcast. I came across a, a Christian rapper named Lecrae. Yeah. He's in the, the same like kind right, of same, related. Same yeah. thing, yeah. yeah. And he said, well, I've been winning, the awards I win are all gospel awards because that's where they put all the artists of color. Yeah. The, if you're white, you win a Christian contemporary award, but if you're black or other, you win, that's who wins gospel awards. Yeah. Um, which I thought is, I, first of all, sad. <laughs> devastatingly sad to be saying that in 2019. Right. But yeah, it, it seems that there's a lot more artists willing, willing to sort of take those, those risks. It sounds like it, it's in, at least in a, in a way mirrored by collective church experience that's kind of happening now. Mm-hmm. So we, we've talked this to death, uh, but now how, how does it all relate to us as a retail business, right? Because... Mm-hmm as more and more people are starting to get into into playing in church, right? And the church is starting to incorporate more contemporary music. Well, that means a lot of people now kind of need or want gear. Yeah. So how has the, the genre and the culture around Christian contemporary music impacted us as a, as a retail business in your experience? Well, being that I'm uh, that I'm still sort of involved in it, one of the things that I am seeing a bit of a transition to is um, a bit of a reversion back to the simple. So, uh, what I mean by all that is, um, you know, when I grew up and went to church, we sang hymns out of a hymnal, and uh, you know, lady my grandma's age played a pipe organ, and so that's that was my church music growing mm-hmm. up. And then by the time I got to college, this movement was happening towards, you know, rock bands. Yeah. Um, especially when I lived in Arizona for a few years and went to, it was the first time I went to a mega church, quote unquote, and played there. And same sort of thing. Uh, uh, my wife at the time was working at Intel. And so we, when we moved to Arizona, we moved again into the land of Intel's. Everybody that was there had, had money and had the expectation of production level. Everything mm-hmm. has to be well done. And yeah. so there's fog machines, lights, a 60 foot LED screen behind mm-hmm. us, bands. We've all got in ear monitors playing to click tracks and other stuff. And, um, and it's a rock concert for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, just like with secular music, everything that happens is a reaction to the thing that happened before it. Yeah. Um, enough people are tired of the overproduced production in the morning. I want to come and I just want to sort of have my moment. I don't need to be 
I don't need it to be 120 decibels with, you know, guitar solos and thumping bass. An acoustic guitar on a cajon would do. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see churches experiment with that again, the all acoustic set, mm-hmm. stripping down the the complexity of the band that's happening in the morning, um, doing you know, doing acoustic versions of songs that they were used to electrically. Right now it's sort of like they're doing it as the alternative, like the palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. But I do see the future of of it stripping down and the production level going less. So if we were writing the coattails of it, mm-hmm. we probably would still be pressing hard to, you know, sell big PA systems to local churches and tons of, you know, in-ear monitors and the, you know, the massively complex mixing, you know, consoles um, and all of that stuff. And I'm starting to see it strip down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So writing the leading edge of it, I mean, pop music is kind of going this way. You know, the we read the death of the electric guitar in the Washington Post a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, still waiting for the last nail in that coffin. Seems quite alive and kicking to me. But we have seen a, a bit of an uptick and just as strong of numbers in selling acoustic guitars. Mm-hmm. So the acoustic electric thing is, I think, becoming more and more relevant. Um, and that's maybe where we're seeing a lot of good innovations in acoustic technology, the the pickup systems and bracing systems in Taylor's, mm-hmm. the Acoustasonic in the Fender stuff being, um, you know, so feedback resistant, but a modern instrument. I think it's kind of heading back to maybe more towards that sort of raw acoustic, more open sound as opposed to the so overproduced mm-hmm. um, heavy sound. Now, that being said, I still, when I go play most of the time on, it's the the biggest pedal board I've ever had, mm-hmm. you know, plugged in and yeah, I'm playing to a click track and ear monitors. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, keyboard players on a Nord and every, yeah, it's, the drummer's got a full acoustic kit in a cage yeah, crashing out. So we're, you know, for sure, my experience, my actual direct experience in it is we're still doing the full band, full production lights, Mm -hmm. screens, all that sort of thing. Um, But I am seeing people tire of that. Yeah. And so to stay on the leading edge of it, I think for us as a business model, um, to support that progression is to remind people that great acoustic instruments exist too. Mm-hmm. And check out the new this new acoustic guitar. This Kala U bass would be fun. Yeah, try that. Um, you know this new Cajon. You want to play a Cajon and do acoustic stuff, but want some other sounds. So it's not just one or the other. Check out this Roland one that ha- has MIDI. Yeah, uh, you know. So there's there's other things to to kind of follow through with it mm-hmm. um, that doesn't include you know eight guys with jazz masters all playing on stage at the same time and. I say that as a guy who plays a jazz master on stage. So, you know, yeah. like I said, we can poke fun at our own, but. So uh, another question that I, that I have is of the people that you've played with over the years, how many of them are musicians that come in for a gig and how many attend church? I know that that exists occasionally. One mm-hmm. of, one of the instructors here had played in church for years. And when I, when I asked them about it, they said, Oh, I don't, I, I don't really do it because I, the message does, I do it because they pay me. Yeah. And of course you wouldn't, wouldn't say anything more than that, but. There's quite a, uh, as much, many variations as you can think of on that, that spectrum of why somebody would, would play that's, I've met that person or am that person. So in the larger, maybe it's, the larger the church, the more you find musicians, and, and this is probably counterintuitive, but in my experience, the larger the church, the more frequently I find musicians that are there because they're paid and they're good musicians. But none of the rest of that stuff would be worth their, them showing up if they weren't also paid. Right. So there's a fair amount of that. I think the the more the church feels the expectation, the pressure of the expectation for the performance level to be high, then they got the more they feel they need to go higher out. Yeah. And so I feel like that has been my experience. It's not necessarily about the size of the church, Mm -hmm. but the larger the church, I think the stronger that expectation gets carried maybe. Okay. And did that, 
once you kind of learned that that was the case, was there any sort of like, where are we all just, I thought we were all just here to, to do it as a, as a mission or to help people? Yeah, that touches on um, something that, that goes into a, it rubs feelings raw um, having that conversation because the musicians on the stage are up there presenting, doing the best that they can. Um, but the expectation for a lot of, and this is the conflict, the expectation is that if you're, you know, doing this for Jesus, you should be, you should be happy to volunteer all of your time and spend your own money on your own gear and do this all yourself because this is your contribution to Mm -hmm. the church as a whole. That is also simultaneously hand in hand with the expectation that the performance level of the worship music should be on par with the CD I listened to on the way home. So I'm expecting someone to volunteer themselves to show up with pro gear and give a pro level performance for free. Good luck finding a bunch of people willing to do that on a consistent basis. I'm only going to volunteer my time away from my kids for free for a, to the extent that I feel comfortable doing that, but I'm right. not going to do that every week, a rehearsal on a Thursday night and all day on Sunday away from my family to give you something you expect for free that's on the level of other people that are actually making a living doing this. So therein lies the rub. Now, personally, I love the church that I'm at and I, they offered to pay me and I turned them down because I wanted this to be my contribution to the church. If I'm going to play in the band, there's that basically is my time. I'm volunteering to contribute to this church. So I'm not going to do as many small groups. I'm not going to participate in as many other events. I'm not going to do other things. So the one thing I participate in to contribute to the church, I don't feel right taking money from the church to then do that. So that's my contribution. But if I don't go to that church, it might be different. I mean, I filled in for other people at other churches and happily taken the hundred bucks for playing at that church, even though, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm here for church and the same reason that everybody else is here, but this isn't my church. I'm filling in for somebody else and they offered to pay me and I took it because I'm, this is more of a gig situation for me than my mm-hmm. actual church community. Well, I'm, that I'm I certain that everyone to. has their own line that they draw. To right. And I'm not saying that like nothing I just said, I feel applies to anybody other than me. Mm-hmm. I did what felt comfortable to me to, to do. It's the, it's what I feel. I mean, to, to speak to the other Christians and say in Christian terminology to say like between me and my relationship with God, that's what I felt called to say. Yeah. The balance is volunteering once a month or so and freely give my time for that, that one time. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the month, my ministry, as we would say, is my family. And that's my balance. Mm -hmm. The, six to eight hours a month is, um, you know, what I volunteer. And that's the, for the most part, the one way I do it. I actually do also help out in the 4k, um, the four or five and six year old room in the playroom. It's a whole other kind of chaos, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, I mean, that's where I, you know, me as a musician playing in the band, obvious connection. This is my home church. This is the one that I want to be at. This is how I want to contribute to it. So no, I don't want money for it. I want to, I want to offer this, but that's, that's where I'm at. Pretty much everybody that does something different than that would have their reasons and very valid ones for disagreeing with that point of view. And they're probably right for them. But I, you know, I know in my experience and my, how much time I've spent thinking about it, praying about it, my, my comfort level, I'm totally happy with the choice I made. No conflict at all saying, yeah, I play for free. Doesn't mean I don't think that person shouldn't get paid. That person, if that's what brings them here, doesn't bug me that they get paid and I don't. If I went and was happy to play in a church and they didn't offer me any money, I wouldn't ask them for money. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're trying to make a living at playing music, and especially if you're a CCM artist and you show up on Sunday morning, this is what you do for a living. Right. You can't keep doing the thing you do for a living and never get paid to do it. It's just a, it's a high profile hobby at that point. It becomes a soul suck too. 
Yeah, because you're putting all of your energy, effort, spiritual energy, physical energy, emotional energy into something and the pressure of life outside, paying bills and you know raising family and being responsible to other obligations basically makes it untenable and yeah. you have to make a living somehow. Hence, it becomes an industry and a business model and striking that balance is really hard for CCM artists to do because mm-hmm. there's this constant torn between trying to make a living at this, trying to, uh, you know, trying to pay bills with something that is a ministry, which should be a hundred percent giving in the opposite direction. Yeah. It just, you know, the world doesn't work that way. So you've got to find your balance and that everybody's happy with. So blame it all on the system. I suppose. Yeah, somebody's system. We, we'll leave it at that. You can, you can you can point. We'll all be pointing fingers at different systems, but um, but no, it's just that you know, uh, money makes the world go round, and that sucks. And the CCM industry is also betrothed to that model um, to a certain degree. They just yeah, well, they try harder than anybody, I think, to. Um, project a specific message within that framework, but it still, you know, exists within that framework. You have A and R guys that need to get paid. You have producers that have to get paid. These session musicians that have to get paid. You want to put an album out? It costs money to put an album dis- out. Where is that money going to come from? Yeah, you know, you you have to have had it to spend it. Um, I'd like to say I've been paid in so much exposure. I should have skin cancer by now. <laughs> yeah, would you? It'll be great exposure for your band to play. <laughs> Um, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's, if I'm trying to do this for a living, I can't pay rent with exposure. <laughs> really? 2 PM on a Saturday? There's going to be so many people there. Do we get fish and chips? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> and what, so there's five of you in the band and you're going to play for half an hour. So 50 bucks for the band should be good. Right. If I'm paying you, I mean, I'm paying you 50 bucks to play music. Come on. You guys love playing music. You guys love playing music. Don't tell me you wouldn't. What else are you going to do? Literally anything else. <laughs> yeah. Literally anything else. Yep. So yeah, there you go. And now we're now we're just grumpy. But uh, <laughs> but I mean that's the thing is you know somebody that that really feels called to do ministry for a living. The for a living part means money, mm-hmm. and man, that is that is a slippery slope that because to get money means you're selling something, a service or a product. Well, what are the quality standards and content that are going to go in, that are acceptable to go into that product? I I think they've done, you know, CCM industry as a whole has done really well um, surviving, you know, the attempt to stay relevant. Most of the people that I have met inside the industry are very well intentioned and they are trying to do the right thing, navigating that, you know, in the real world is really tough to do, especially when, you know, there's a fair amount that doesn't take CCM seriously, mm-hmm. which is fair. There's a lot of artists that are caricatures of of it. There's um, a lot of artists that are caricatures of any, any genre. Any genre, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, that's, it's, not, it's not specific to CCM, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it makes for a really difficult model to, to sustain. So the fact that they have done that to varying degrees of success, but well, um, for 50 years, it's actually, you know, pretty good, but I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing a shift in that. And I think just the, the people that have seen success in the last 10 or 20 years with a certain model have to be okay with that model shifting to address who's coming up. What kids are going through at 15 years old right now is something that kids didn't, it's different no more or less traumatic or great or innovative. I mean, the technology today is just as innovative compared to what was 10 years ago as the technology 10 years ago was compared to 10 years before that. The same sort of social pressures and bullying. And I mean, that sort of stuff has existed, but what it is and how you navigate that and trying to be a voice and leading and and trying to stay relevant to a generation a lot of secular music I see tries to give voice to what's currently happening. And I feel like a lot of CCM is trying to give an answer mm-hmm. to the, those questions. Um, and I think 
if you're trying to give the answer you gave 10 years ago, you miss. So trying to stay relevant means trying to address where people are at and meeting people where they're at is a really uncomfortable thing to somebody that's never been there. That's why we're so far lagging in letting CCM address, like it's still not okay for a mainstream CCM person to speak about race relations. Why? It's kind of uncomfortable because most of us are white. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we don't have that experience. We're not qualified to speak on it. And letting somebody else speak on it is uncomfortable, especially when the things that they have to say aren't so pretty. But you're not going to be relevant if you don't let them talk. If they don't have a voice, you're not going to be relevant to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. Because you didn't let them ask their questions at a relevant time or in a relevant way. That's a really hard thing for the church as a whole to do. But because music is such a big part of our cultural experience, music seems to be the voice that leads the way in that. Um, And so, yeah, I, I have hopes for what I see the industry turn into or become, grow into, and maybe not turn into, grow into, um, that you can kind of meet people with open arms and, and acknowledge their experience and treat them with love. And it's messy. Yeah. And that's okay. And I would love to see CCM embrace the messy. I think that's a great note to, to kind of end on. This has been this has been pretty fun. I think we're gonna we should uh, we should maybe revisit this topic in the future. This is uh, this has been well. I don't know that it's really a guide to anything this time around, but the podcast is a guitar shop's guide to. This has been our we, guitar shop's conversation about <laughs> about Christian contemporary music. Thanks for listening. Yeah.